driving in India anyway is crazy. On top of that, you add these curvy mountainous roads. And at 18,000 feet, you're talking about altitude sickness as well. It was a family trip. So my kids were there. My 70-year-old mother-in-law was there. And add to the mix, she ended up having a severe case of altitude sickness. And so we actually ended up having to pull over because she was almost to the point of passing out. Happy New Year and welcome back to Season 3 of Drive With Us Podcast. Woo! I was waiting for you. I was waiting for you. Okay. <laughs> a podcast where we explore driving cultures around the world by bringing on a new guest each episode to talk about the crazy things they've experienced on the road, who they are as drivers, and how they became the driver they are today. I'm Bafneet. And I'm Taranjeet. Did you miss us? Should we wait for a response but we can't really hear what they're going to say? You didn't even. I know because you awed. But we sure missed you guys. I'm the the sound effects. You're the the response. But we're super excited to bring to you this season because we talked to some really great guests. Well, last season we talked to great guests too, but we have even more great guests this season. And we can't share We can't share them all with you. (laughs) And we can't wait for you to hear all their crazy driving stories. So don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes. But before we get into who today's driver is, we do have a little, I don't know what to call this segment. I want to call it something along the lines of like car related puns. So it's like, you know how there's like- We have car puns? No. Like, you know how people- Is that dad jokes? (laughs) (laughs) You know how people are like, oh, let's just get some like, I guess, housekeeping out of the way, right? But I want a car- Car maintenance. (laughs) Let's get some car maintenance out of the way. That sounds bad. <laughs> like, I want something that doesn't have a negative connotation, like glove department cleaning. I don't know. Time to vacuum the car. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun either. I know. So I don't know what to call this segment. So if you guys have any ideas, do send them our way. But right now, it's a nameless thing. It's car version of housekeeping. Car keeping. <laughs> oh, car keeping. We got some car keeping to do. Yeah. But we do have some announcements for you guys. First off, we just want to give a huge thank you to you, our audience. Yay! Applause, applause, applause. (laughs) Yes, you listening to this podcast. Because without you guys, we wouldn't be able to push ourselves to continue to work hard and put out great content. So thank you. Another round of applause. (laughs) So as a little side, when you say round of applause, do you actually clap? In a circle, because I do. No. Because <laughs> round of applause. No, mine's okay. a straight, uh, straight applause. <laughs> Just give us some straight applause, thanks. <laughs> I make it fancy. Anyways, as a thank you, we are doing a two-year anniversary giveaway. I'm super excited for this because I'm so excited to give these prizes away. And I can't believe it's been two years. Yeah. Wow. We're old. (laughs) (laughs) Our show's old. Uh, eh, Not really. No. What? We're fresh and evergreen. Like car air fresheners when you first get them. Get to the giveaway. I want to know what it is. Well, I already know what it is, but they want to know what it is. Yeah. We are giving away two Alexa Echo Dots and a DWAP merch bundle. All you have to do to enter is complete a fun scavenger hunt. And the link will be in the show notes below. 
There's only one entry per person and the first three to get it correct will have their choice from the three prizes. And the last day to submit is Friday, March 26th. More details can be found using the links below. And a few quick other updates. We are now on Swell. So I know another platform, but you know how like Clubhouse is going around. Swell is basically the Android friendly user version. It's inclusive of everyone. Yeah, includes <laughs> everyone. So we're on there. Our goal is to at least post a voice thread once a week. So come join the conversations with us. Come discuss that week's episode with us. What did you like? What is your driving experiences? You can find us at Drive With Us Pod on there, and we are so excited to chat with you on there. Okay, enough updates. <laughs> Woo! So today's driver is Kartika Gupta. She's originally from Bombay, India, is a published lifestyle culture and travel photographer based in the Chicago area. She is the founder of Culturally Hours, a platform dedicated to promoting cultural understanding and celebrating global diversity. Culturally Hour. Culturally, wow, I can't say that word. <laughs> Culturally? <laughs> Culturally Hours explores lifestyle, food, art, travel, and culture from around the world. Through her photography and storytelling skills, she aims to bring cultural narratives to the forefront. Oh, wow, I can't talk. <laughs> cultural narratives to the forefront. Kartika shares with us many driving stories, including a road trip she took with her family from Delhi to Leh and Ladakh, and all the symptoms they experienced along the way, like losing oxygen, nosebleeds, and altitude sickness. Let's meet today's driver, Kartika Gupta. Welcome, Kartika. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to hear all your stories, especially since you're a travel photographer. Since you have been so many places, what would you say is one of the most craziest driving experiences you have had? I've had quite a few, but the one that really sticks out for me is... We did a road trip. I'm from India. And so we did a road trip um, a couple of years ago where we drove from Delhi to Leh, which is the northern part of India. And that whole region is very mountainous. It's got one of the highest motorable roadways in the world at about over like almost like 18,000 feet. So when you drive from sea level to, you know, 18,000 feet, you can imagine how crazy the roads are. Of course, it's a gradual incline. It takes over two days. But driving in India anyway is crazy. On top of that, you add these curvy mountainous roads. And at 18,000 feet, you're talking about altitude sickness as well. So that's another thing that you have to kind of, you know, take into consideration. And it was a family trip. So my kids were there. My 70-year-old mother-in-law was there. And add to the mix, she ended up having a severe case of altitude sickness. And the area through Leh and Ladakh is very, it's, it's very strategic sort of area because of the proximity to China. So there's a lot of military presence, like the Indian border control and the Indian military are quite prominent there. So you have a lot of these military hospitals. And so we actually ended up having to pull over because she was almost to the point of passing out. 
my husband was throwing up. He was having nosebleeds. My kids were thankfully fine. We had friends with us and even they were experiencing headaches, which is very common for altitude sickness. But I think the kicker for us was actually having to get into the military hospital and to have oxygen <laughs> given to us. So, I mean, now I laugh about it, but at that time it was a very traumatic experience. But, you know, imagine you're surrounded by these incredible vistas, these amazing landscapes, and here you are desperately trying to breathe. <laughs> not, a, not a fun combination, but definitely a memorable one. Oh, I can imagine. We've been to India about six years ago, I think, and I know the drivers there are super crazy. And since you were going to this area of low oxygen, is there something that you could have done to prepare yourself? You absolutely can. And we did we did all the things that we needed to do because we had such a uh, range in terms of the, the kind of people we were traveling with. So my, my son at the time was eight and my mother-in-law is at 70. So we had this range of ages. And so they, they tell you to, to load up on water. So keep drinking a lot of water. And then you also have a altitude um, sickness medication. But you, you do all of that. But I think just because you're not used to, on a day-to-day -day basis, you're not used to that altitude. And, and, you know, we live in, I live in Chicago, so it's as sea level as you can get. And even in India, I mean, Delhi and Bombay, they're all pretty much at sea level. So no matter how much you prepare, I think you just have to go with the mindset that, yes, something may happen, <laughs> which is why, you know, you get loaded with medications, you, you take all the water you can get. And even the the military hospitals, I think, out there in that region are quite used to civilian population coming in because it's a very popular road trip. It's it's incredible. It's beautiful. It's out of this world. And a lot of people want to do it. So I think even the, the military hospitals are quite used to civilians stopping by and, you know, kind of giving them oxygen and things like that, which is why I think they entertained us. Otherwise, it's quite unheard of for a military establishment to take in civilians. Oh, wow. I wonder what would happen if they turned you away. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's the, yeah, let's not, let's not think about that. <laughs> about that. But it's really interesting that like your kids are the only one that weren't experiencing any altitude sickness. Yeah, the kids were perfectly fine the wow. entire drive through. It was just us adults and I wasn't hit that bad. I did have headaches and stuff like that, but I thankfully didn't have any nosebleeds. My mother-in-law got the worst of it just because age and just, just general health. And then my husband... He's pretty fit, but even he had nosebleeds and it just, it just gets to you. I think even if no matter how prepared you are, I think it's just, just the attitude and the fact that it's not what you normally expect. How long was this drive and were you the one driving the whole time? No. So th thankfully it wasn't, I mean, we had two cars, so we all kind of rotated. The drive is anywhere from 18 to I would say 36 hours, so two to three days. It just depends on how how much distance you want to cover every day. And it's just along the way, there are a lot of places that you, you stay and you get a feel for the culture. And it's very, the lay is, has a very unique culture because of the proximity again to China and all of that. So it's a very different kind of culture from the rest of India. So you have a lot of monasteries, you have a lot of places that you can visit. So you definitely want to take those two to three days. Plus they say, give yourself that time so that your body can get acclimated. So even though Leh as, as a city sits at 10,000 feet, you just go over these incredible passes. So that's where it hits to like, you know, 17,000, 18,000 feet. And then you drop down to Leh, which is at 10,000 feet. And sometimes people will 
fly in. So you can actually fly into Leh. But even then, they recommend at least give yourself a couple of days so that your body can get adjusted to that altitude because it's not normal. I mean, not many of us live in such high altitude places on a day-to-day basis, right? Mm -hmm. When you returned back from that trip, did you experience anything different in terms of, I guess, the oxygen levels? Like, was your body more air or something? Oh, were you like, <laughs> yes, air? <laughs> Actually, no, because we, we spent a good two weeks in, in and around Ladakh. So, you know, our body automatically got used to it. And it was a drive in and a drive out. So even when we were driving back, it, driving back, I have to say, was, was much better because, again, you're coming down. But still, you do experience a little bit of headaches and, and altitude sickness varies in the range of symptoms. So I guess the least that you can experience is a headache and you just load up on water, load up on fluids and you should be fine. But yeah, I, I, I don't remember too much of when it was coming, when we were coming back, but I have to say, even now when I think about the experience, I'm so glad we did it because it's just, it's once in a lifetime sort of experiences and thankfully nothing went wrong. Yeah, that's really good to hear that you enjoyed it and it wasn't that bad of an experience. Yeah, the landscape and the the place. For anybody who loves driving, it's one of the best drives in the world. So if you get a chance to do it, definitely do it. (laughs) I do love driving, but I don't know if I would be okay driving at that altitude. Speaking of scenic drives, I know you also took a drive in Montana, I think you were saying? Yes. So this is for in the States, this is considered one of the best drives. It's called the Beartooth Highway. And basically it is from a little town called Red Lodge in Montana. And it uh, you drive into Yellowstone National Park. So this is along the north, the northeast corner. So from Montana, you drive into Wyoming. And for anybody who knows, you know, Montana and Wyoming are such incredibly beautiful states. It's just, again, mountains and scenic sort of vistas. And so this Beartooth Highway basically connects you through to getting into Yellowstone. And it is full of hairpin bends and just incredible views. You you find yourself pulling out at every sort of lookout and you look at the landscape and you cannot imagine how incredibly beautiful it is. And you feel like you're such a tiny piece <laughs> among these you know, majestic mountains. And it's a beautiful drive. It is a drive that a lot of people do on motorbikes. Again, because you can actually lean into the curves and it's just a thrill on its, on its own. But even doing it you know, in a car, is just beautiful. It It is dependent on the weather. So I know the highway is closed, I think right about October timeframe, and then it opens up in May. And when I say opens up, what I mean is the snow plows come in and they clear out the path. And believe it or not, there's actually people who time it such that they are behind the snow plow. So they want to be the first when the highway opens up to drive that that road, that scenic vista. So they're actually behind the snow plows and oh, wow. kind of uh, inaugur- inaugurating the road. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. Um, <laughs> a lot of like Facebook groups and stuff like that who will do a call out and especially on motorbikes, I think there's a, quite a thrill to it. That's really interesting. I didn't know that people would actually want to do that. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful drive. And it's one of those, I guess, the, the top drives in the world. And I think this is featured. Don't quote me on it. I think this is this highway is featured, Beartooth Highway is featured in that list. So anytime you have something like that in close proximity, people are going to jump all over it. Definitely going to add that to our road trip bucket list. <laughs> 
<laughs> you did mention that you lived in India and now you're in Illinois. Typically in different areas, there's different stereotypes of drivers that live in those areas. And since you have lived in India, which is on a completely different level, how would you describe the difference in driving in India versus <laughs> in Illinois? And what kind of stereotypes have you seen? Oh, my God. Um, and I, I guess I'm Indian, so I can afford to say this, but Indian drivers <laughs> are crazy. <laughs> there's just there's just no other way to describe it. And the funny part is in all the chaos and the craziness, you do manage to get from point A to point B perfectly fine for the most part. I, I grew up in India. I grew up in Bombay. And growing up, we never had a car because the public transportation is so good in most of India, especially in the big cities. You really don't need a car. And, you know, it just wasn't something that my family was really interested in. So I actually learned how to drive when I was about 19. And it was a stick shift, which I failed absolutely miserably because I just, it was too much chaos and I couldn't handle the chaos. So I remember taking the test and the car actually stopped and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with the car because I was so nervous anyway. There were, you know, there were rickshaws, there were motorbikes, there were cycles, there were people coming in all different directions. And to top it all off, I was in a roundabout and I had no clue what was going on. So suffice to say, I failed the test and I told myself, this is so not worth it because I really don't need a car. I can take a bus, I can take a rickshaw, I can just get myself to different places. It wasn't until I came here. So I came to Illinois for grad school and I came to Illinois State University, which for those of people who don't know, is pretty much central Illinois. It's a small university town. There's nothing you know, as public transportation. <laughs> you, you pretty much have to have a car or you have to walk. And so I think about six months into grad school, I realized that especially in winter, I need to, I, I need a car. I need some way of getting from the, the off-campus to my classes. So we ended up getting a car and I'm 5'3", so I'm a fairly smallish person. <laughs> and then the car that I ended up buying was this, it was like this Lincoln Oldsmobile, which is a huge, big, long car. So I take a look at it and I'm like freaking out because I don't know how I'm going to drive. And eventually when I get to sitting in the car and, and one of our very good friends taught us. And so Ed was sitting next to me and he was teaching me uh, how to drive. And he's like, Karthika, if you get any closer to the steering wheel, you're going to go through the winds, wind, uh, the, the windshield. I was that close because I just, you know, I just the, the length of the car, it was just so crazy. I still have vivid memories of that experience. But I learned, I learned how to drive. Thankfully, it was an automatic and I learned how to drive and I got myself around. So I didn't really start driving until I was like close to like 21, 22. <laughs> What made you choose an Oldsmobile <laughs> go for to a really big car? Well, that was the only thing I could afford on a on a <laughs> assistantship and a graduate assistantship as a TA. That was the only thing I could afford. I think it was like four hundred bucks or something. So it was it was a pretty actually a pretty good car. It lasted for for a few years even after I graduated and I moved to Chicago. I had that car, but yeah, that <laughs> that was the only thing I could afford at that time. So I'm going to ask this question, but I'm pretty sure I know the answer. <laughs> Do you prefer driving here in the U.S. over India? Oh, definitely here. Definitely. It's still, you know, India is as chaotic, if not more. It's just, and I've never, I guess I've never driven there. I mean, what, 
apart from I, I did drive there for a little bit, but I just don't, you know, don't have positive memories of it. So definitely here. And I've, you know, over the years gotten a lot more confident. I drive around the Beartooth Highway and stuff like that. I would have never imagined myself doing that when I just started because I was so nervous coming from especially a city like Bombay, which is so crazy <laughs> on the roads. You did mention roundabouts, <laughs> and I, I'm really interested in knowing. So in India, do people use their indicators when they're entering or exiting a roundabout? Slash, do you use them when you're driving here? <laughs> well, here, I don't think I have a choice. I, I, I typically, I, I do a lot of my traveling, exploring with my children. So I have to be extra careful and extra cautious when I, when I have them in the car with me. But India is so, it's, it's so funny. It's just, yes, you know, obviously cars have indicators. People, people will use them. It's just, if they feel like it, people will use them. A lot of times you see people just sticking their hand out and giving you signals. <laughs> and it's just, there's something very adorable about it, I have to say, because that's just, that's just how life is there. There's nothing against it. It's just what people are used to. So it's a human indicator. And that human indicator is for bicycles. It's for motorbikes. It's for cars. Sometimes it's even for people, pedestrians who are walking. They just want to let you know that, hey, I'm going to turn here. <laughs> that's really interesting. So it's actually quite cute when you think about it. Well, that's, that's good that you actually use them because you might be the only person in the U.S. that does that. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I definitely use the indicator because I have had close calls where I've, you know, people have turned without letting me know. And I'm like, wait, what? What are you doing? I mean, you didn't let me know. Why are you cutting? <laughs> I definitely have that situation. So I started using it. But like, I just found it so interesting because when we went to Australia for the first time, like everyone would put on their turn it on when they enter the circle and when they're exiting. And I'm like, whoa, people actually do that. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. We were in Portugal last year for spring break. And Portugal has, I think every other street has a, has a roundabout. It's just, it's crazy the amount of roundabouts they have. And that was something too. People would put it on and put it off and, you know, when they enter and exit. And it was just, it was nice to see that people were following the rules. And it was, it, it was a definitely an experience. <laughs> so if you were given the option, would you prefer to be the driver or the passenger? You know, it's, um, it just depends. It depends where I'm going and who I'm going with. When I'm traveling with my sister, I have to be the passenger because she, she gets car sick if she's not driving. So there's no question. It's just by default, I'm in the passenger side. She's in the driver's side. When I'm going with my husband and my, you know, with my, with our family, my husband is a big road tripper. He absolutely loves driving. So then it's a toss between who gets to, who, who's get, who gets to be behind the wheel. We have done many 18 hour drives from Chicago to Denver. And in that case, we will just take turns. I, I have to say, I don't like driving at night just because the glare is just something that I don't like. So a lot of times I will drive during the day. He's finishing up work or he's taking his calls and then he'll pick up in the night. So it's really a toss between who I am with and, and sort of where we are going. Yeah, I agree with you about driving in the night. I feel like 
just the headlight glare is one thing and I've encountered a lot of deer so that always freaks me out. <laughs> I feel like I'd rather drive in the daylight when I can see everything. <laughs> yes, for sure. I've had a couple of when I when I first started driving here in the states, I had a couple of deer close calls. And let me tell you those things whether it's night or day totally freak you out. It's just, you know, your whole body is like on this adrenaline rush and you're like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" She's even at the point, Terence is at the point where if anyone even says the word deer while she's in the car, she doesn't even have to be driving. Like her heart drops. She's like, where? <laughs> it's probably due to because I've had two accidents with them. So now whenever I hear the word deer, I'm just like, where? <laughs> I know they can they can really total your car depending on the car you have. It's just it's not it's it's quite an ordeal. Have you ever been in a car where you were a passenger and then you were like, "Oh, this was a really bad idea?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. I mean, I haven't had too many of those, thankfully, but I have had a couple where I've driven with friends and I especially if I don't know the person very well, then I'm a little nervous because, you know, we all know how we drive and we're all used to how we drive behind the wheel. And I have to say for the most part, I am a very cautious driver. I stick to the speed limit. I I I just I'm careful. So I think that just puts me on edge when I'm in the seat with somebody who I don't know and I don't know very well and then I'm like I'm nervous because I don't know what kind of a driver they are. So that just sometimes puts me at unease but then I can't even say anything. I can't say hey, you know, move over. <laughs> let me get in and let me drive. Yeah, I've definitely had a couple situations where I'm like, "Ah, can I get out? I'll walk." <laughs> <laughs> You did mention that you are a cautious driver. Would you say that your family and friends would describe your driving the same way? Oh, for sure. My husband teases me all the time. He'd be like, "Karthika, it's 75. That means you can go to like maybe 80, 85." And I'm like, "Barely making it to like 78." <laughs> I've had I've had a couple of like cops pull me over and I'm I I try to say, "Hey, you know, I wasn't really going that far." And a lot of times I get a I shouldn't say this but I get away with a warning <laughs> because I'm not I'm not going that high and and you know we've had an instance where my husband has gone 20 above and that thing just sticks to you that ticket sticks to you forever I think it's like you have to keep it on file for like 5 years and you have to pay ridiculous fees so I think we've learned out I've learned that lesson pretty well so I try not to go above too above the speed limit so yeah my family definitely my kids tease me as well Like mom, you can go a little faster, you know, and I'm like, nope, I'm sticking to this. <laughs> that's crazy. You said seventy five. I can barely like. There's one highway that's seventy. That's the highest I've ever seen, and I can barely keep my car at seventy. <laughs> A lot of this is actually when you drive west. So, like I said, we we drive like as a family. We love the mountains. So, any chance we get, we are always escaping west. And so, when you get to like when you cross Nebraska, I think Nebraska opens up to like seventy, seventy five, and then you know if you get into Montana, that's like eighty. So it's it's actually quite a thrill. Uh, I have to say, quite a thrill driving. Again, because the roads are relatively good, there's so much to see. The landscape. Sometimes you will see like wildlife. You'll see a lot of pronghorn deer as well when you're driving. So it's always a thrill getting onto some of those states. And you know, you can't help. Everybody's flying at like eighty-five, ninety, and you don't want to be run over. So you end up going at eighty, eighty-five as well. Oh, I can imagine that the west because it's more open, that it is faster. I know here we're in Maryland, and if you drive eighty or above, it's 
ticketed as reckless driving. So I wonder what the reckless driving speed limit is there. So I can tell you that when I first started driving, and I'm probably going to age myself here, but I started driving 20 years ago. (laughs) That's when I came here to this country. At that time, Montana did not have a speed limit. So I think going 90, 95, I know my husband Anna just hit 100. Just one of those roads where there was nobody there. But now Montana has changed. It's now, I think, 80. I want to say 85. I could be wrong. It's either 80 or 85. But it's quite an experience. Oh, I can imagine. So painting the picture of what kind of driver you are, would you consider yourself someone who tends to honk? No, <laughs> not 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 for the most part. I will if I'm if I get really upset with something that's happening. But it's not a regular thing. Not like in India where you honk. It's like honking is just a normal part of your driving. If you don't honk, there's something wrong with you. Exactly. That is exactly what I was going to say. Like, if you're not honking in India, there must be something wrong. Yeah, because it's it's a lot of times it's it's like like the turn signal. It You know, it's in lieu of the turn signal. Sometimes you just honk. You're trying to get the person's attention, especially when it's like a lot of, you know, we have like in, in Bombay, we have rickshaws and these three wheelers that zip in and out or the motorbikes zip in and out. And it's just it's just noise. It's just noise that is there. And when you're there, you just are so used to it that when you don't hear it after you, after we come back here, it's, it takes a little bit to get used to. So since I said you're not a honker, what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? <laughs> there are a lot. <laughs> but I guess my biggest pet peeve is just when people switch switch lanes without letting you know, especially when you're on the highway. And, you know, I'm, I'm close to, like, I'm, I live in the suburbs of Chicago. So when we go into the city, you know, like any city, it's city driving. And city driving does tend to be a lot more crazy. The streets are narrower. You have these taxis kind of trying to squeeze in. And sometimes people will just cut right in front of you without any sort of indication that they're going to. And it does jar you a little bit. So that, for me, that's my biggest pet peeve. Because where I live, it's fairly open. There's wider roads. I don't see that happen as often. For the longest time, I would refuse to drive into the city just because of that, because I couldn't control who was on the road. I couldn't control people coming at me left, right, and center. But I think now I've gotten used to it. It just takes, you just need to be a little bit extra vigilant. That's totally me. Whenever we will go into DC, I always tell Taranjeet, I'm like, you're driving. I'll drive into, for some reason, I'll drive into Baltimore City, which is, she thinks is way crazier, but I will never drive into DC. I agree with you that I also have a lot of pet peeves. I feel like I couldn't just pick one. There's always something about drivers that I can be like, okay, why are you doing that? What is wrong with you? Exactly. And I think it's also country-based, right? You know, you wherever you go, and if you happen to be driving there, you always pick up some of these idiosyncrasies that people have that is very specific to that place. So staying on this topic of annoying drivers, would you say you have ever experienced road rage, whether you had it towards someone or someone had it towards you? It, yes, I, I, I have. It's just, I think, again, early on, when I was just getting getting used to being consistent driver. Like I said, I was, I I have even then and even now I'm a pretty cautious driver. So a lot of times I I will have people who honk, not like aggressive. Thankfully, I haven't experienced aggressive road rage. I have been in the car with my husband and we've experienced road rage in that sense where he was the driver. And this was back in India when we were, we were still living there. It's just, again, it's just somebody cut somebody, somebody didn't 
give the right sort of indicator. I don't even remember what it was. I remember the guy coming in, opening the car door, pulling on a job, and it was just very close to like hitting each other. And thankfully, the traffic started moving. And so we couldn't leave the cars alone. So that, when, when you say road rage, that's the first thing that came to mind. I mean, I was a passenger, but it's just a very crazy and scary situation. I feel like the road rage in India would be worse in comparison to the U.S. <laughs> I feel like they're just more likely to do more violent things, <laughs> like get out like that. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I've heard of road rage here in the States where it's come to like, you know, people pulling guns out. Now that takes scary onto a whole nother level. In India, it's for the most part, it's not that violent. Yeah, you know, people will try to rough you up and yell in your face and maybe try to get a punch out. But pulling a gun out and facing a gun, I think that just takes scary on a whole other level. Yeah, the guns are the one thing that you have to watch out for here. For sure. So going to your driving first, you did touch on your first time driving experience. How would you say your driving test? I have to laugh at this because my driving test was such a joke. <laughs> it was, I mean, you know, here I am, a 22-year-old student going to a driving facility in small town America. So it's really a small driving facility license place. And I remember, and, and even now, I cannot parallel park. That's one thing I cannot do for the life of me, no matter how hard I've tried. It's just it's just one of those things that I, I feel like I will never master. And so even when I was taking the test, I was so nervous. I was hoping the guy would not ask me to parallel park because then it would be a case where I would definitely have failed. I remember pulling out of the, because we joke about this all the time. Now my daughter is 14, so she'll be getting her license, her learner's permit in probably what, six, eight months. And so, my, you know, my husband is always telling these stories because it's funny. <laughs> I remember pulling out of the, the license place with, with the instructor or the the guy who's sitting there judging me and I go <laughs> over the curb. I'm just, I just pull out and I go over the curb and I look at him and he's, he puts some sort of a mark on the sheet and I'm going, oh God, here we go. Because you know, <laughs> we've, we've rented a car. I've taken time off from school. I've come here. It's, it's a, a big deal for a student and it's, it's a whole day affair. So I'm like, great, not even two minutes into the test and I've already messed up. Thankfully, the rest of it was okay. And he did not ask me to parallel park, <laughs> which was great. And then he did ask me to park in a, in a designated spot to make sure that I'm within the lines. And of course I was not, I, my, my, tires. I think I can't remember which side, but I was barely within the line. So I was like touching the line. So he gets out and he just walks around and I'm thinking, oh God, he's shaking his head. That's two dings against me. But thankfully I passed. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was just, it was such a, it was such a thing that, you know, we would talk amongst our friends and Anuj would say like, thank God he didn't ask her to parallel park because I was so sure she'll either mess up the car or she'll fail. And we didn't have we just didn't have the resources to do this again, you know, renting a car and going through the whole process. But thankfully, we didn't. So I'm glad. <laughs> Did you say that you were taking the driver's test in India? 
Yes, I did. So I learned in India, it was a little different. Now I don't know how it is because it's been a while since I've been away from home. But you actually go through a school and you have these cars that essentially have two steering wheels. And the, the, the instructor or the guy who's taking the test, who's judging you, he has controls as well in his foot. So it's a little tiny, it's like a mini size. It's like a Maruti. So I guess I could compare it to like a mini. So it's a smallish car and there are two steering wheels and two sets of controls and you know kind of going around so he's he's breaking too because he's also seeing cars coming in motorbikes coming in people wandering so it's like it's it wasn't like he was waiting for me to react he was controlling it as well and then to top it all off i think the fact that the car shut down because it's like a stick shift so you have to press the clutch and you know how it is and it's just i couldn't figure out what to do because i was anyway so nervous so yeah that was the whole test debacle in, in india which and after that i just couldn't be bothered would you ever try driving a stick shift again? Or are you just like automatic all the time? <laughs> I am automatic all the time. And I will say that it is definitely a handicap that I feel. And the only reason I say this is because not every country is automatic. And this is what we faced when we went to Portugal as well. We actually had, you know, rented from Avis and it, Avis in Portugal didn't have automatic. Everything was stick shift. And we didn't even know that. And so thankfully, my husband drives. He's pretty comfortable with a stick shift because otherwise we would have been in a soup. So now we are talking about this with my daughter. We're like, we want you to learn on a stick shift because we want it to be a case where you're not stuck anywhere you go, anywhere in the world, just because you don't know how to drive stick shift. Yeah, that's that's a really good skill to know. I kind of wish I know how I knew how to drive stick shift. Something I definitely want to learn. But like you said, if you know how to drive stick shift, you can pretty much drive anything. Absolutely. And you can you can drive anywhere in the world. And I think that's a great that's a great skill set to have. I know you drove briefly in India, but did it, I guess it didn't really affect you this much, but did it affect you of having to drive on the opposite side of the road when you came here? I have, I have had instances where when I've come back, it has taken me a bit to get used to it. I remember one of the times I was, I was working and I had flown like I'd flown in back home from India and then I'd immediately flown out to a client site and I'd rented a car. And thankfully it was like a small city, somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't remember the name. It was a while back, but I remember driving on the other side of the road and people, somebody coming in, in front of me honked. And it's then I realized that, oh my God, I'm on the wrong side of the road. It does, it does take a little bit getting used to. Even if you're not driving, I think even if you're just walking, it does take a minute or more for you to realize that, wait, I need to be on the other side of the sidewalk so that I'm not bumping and people kind of look at you weird They're like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that must have been scary when that car was coming at you yeah and I I'm trying to think what are you doing dude I mean why are you here and then I realized wait that's the guy's not at, at fault I'm the <laughs> one who's at fault since the car industry I guess you can say is changing and there's there's gonna be self-driving cars soon how comfortable are you with that and what are your thoughts on this that's a very interesting question. I, I guess I come, I'll talk about it from a couple of different ways. As mom to a soon-to-be driver, I think self-driving is, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm really comfortable with the fact that my teen who's learning how to drive is going to rely on self-driving. Just because I feel like early on, you need to be comfortable with a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different situations for you to be able to drive safe. And having that as an option for self-driving makes you a little bit lazy, for lack of a better word. 
So I'm, uh, from that angle, I'm not too keen on that for her for a few years, at least until I know she's, she's a good driver, she's a safe driver. On the flip side, we, we do have a car, we do have a Tesla, and so Tesla has this self-driving, and it's quite, quite a thrill um, <laughs> when you're sitting in the car and you see this incredible piece of software that just lets you not have to do anything. So from that aspect, from a technolo- technological standpoint, I think it's brilliant. I think it, there are a lot of uses for it. And of course, there are safety measures and all of that to make sure that you don't snooze off. And I think every few every few minutes, you have you have to hold the steering wheel. At least it, it isn't on the Tesla. You have to hold the steering wheel. You have to confirm changes in lanes and stuff. So it's not like you can just let the car do its thing. So from that aspect, from a consumer aspect, I think it's it's cool and i think there's a lot of uses even in the future for it but from a purely parent standpoint <laughs> i'm like maybe not for maybe not for the you know beginning learning drivers i definitely agree i think that you should at least know how to drive and then from there you can choose if you want the car to drive for you exactly exactly bonus question time are you ready <laughs> okay <laughs> If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Oh, boy. This is, okay, this is my mom hat coming on. I would make it such that kids are a little bit older when they get to get go behind the wheel. I just feel like not every 15-year-old, not every 16-year-old is mature enough to get behind the wheel. There's a lot, there's a lot happening, even whether you know whether in india or whether in portugal or whether here in the states i just feel like there's a lot going on on the road and i just feel like sometimes it's too young kids are too young to start at that time and there's a lot of pressure from friends from society from school to get that permit when they hit 15 so that would probably be my mom answer what age would you like it to be then Oh, now I'm probably shooting myself in the foot if my daughter ever listens <laughs> <laughs> listens to this. But I think maybe like 18, 18. Yeah, I think probably a couple of years, not too long. I just feel like at 15, it's too young. Yeah, I feel like we were talking to a guest last season, I think Australia. I'm not 100% sure if I remember this correctly, but I think they it was like 17 or 18 for them. So there are countries that do wait longer. Just the U.S., this is like 15 and some months and you're ready to go on the road. Yeah, I know India has it at 18. It's interesting that Australia has it too. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I just feel like 15 is just because, you know, it's the past six months, my 14-year-old, all she's talked about is the fact that the day she turns 15, she gets to go and get her learner's permit. And getting the learner's permit is one thing, but actually sitting with, and I'm I'm not saying that she's, you know, she's going to be a bad driver or anything like that. I I know she'll be careful, but it's just not every 15 year old is quite there from a maturity level. And just, it just feels like it's too young. You know, as a parent, we've, I've lugged them around everywhere for the past 14 years. Another couple of years is not going to make that much of a difference. (laughs) (laughs) That's just me. No, I understand where you're coming from. You can, you can like control or like explain to your own kids, don't do this, but you can't really control what other people's kids are going to do while they're on the road. So it is a scary thing to think about. Do you have any final tips or any advice you would like to give other drivers? Oh, I think it's just, you no know, driving is, is it's, it's a great, it's a great thing to do for sure. Especially when you're like traveling, you know, if you have to do it for pleasure, it's it's amazing. There's so much you can see, so much you can experience. Just that 
that feeling of freedom, I think, is something I know as a family we enjoy. As a driver, I enjoy when I'm driving and when I'm traveling around. Sometimes when you have to do it for work and day in and day out, I know it can get very frustrating. And when you get a, when you get a frustrated driver, it's just a recipe for disaster. So I think it's just if you have the option. I know here in Chicago. In the city, we have public transportation, but in the suburbs, we don't. So sometimes, you know, when I used to work in the city, I had no option but to drive. And it was not fun because it was very stressful. It was, you know, you were trying to get somewhere at a certain time, and then you had all these crazy drivers, and then you had traffic, and you had construction. It was just not fun. But I think when you take away all of that, it's, it's definitely a, a great experience. And I think people should go Go with that mindset that it is it is a journey. So enjoy that driving journey as much as you enjoy the destination. That's really well said. I couldn't have said it any better than that. <laughs> I agree with you. I love driving. So enjoy that journey. Thank you so much for coming on. We really enjoy listening to your stories. And now I have a couple more road trips that we had to add to our list. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm so glad. Definitely, you guys should do the uh, Beartooth Highway. It's a beautiful drive for sure. It's added on our list already. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't even know what I would do if I started losing oxygen. This is the one of the questions I posted on Swell which you can follow us on Drive With Pod. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Uh, but <laughs> Charge, charge, charge. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Car puns. But anyways, would you be adventurous enough to go to a place where you could lose oxygen or have low oxygen levels? Is that a rhetorical question? No, it's a question to you. Oh, um, well, at first I was going to say, yes, I think I have lost oxygen, but I think that was more like hy hyperthermia. Is that the... Is that what too cold is? I yeah. Know. <laughs> you know what would happen? I get dizzy and faint. What about you? I don't. Yeah, I. Well, first you. I can see you as a person <laughs> who has the Oh, issues. my God. You see me as a person. <laughs> I can see you as the one who would probably experience the more yeah. extreme symptoms, I feel like, because you are very sensitive to extreme changes in like weather or I guess oxygen level probably would play well, a role. Yeah, I think it would be very similar. It's like if it's too cold or if it's too hot, no thank you. So I don't I hate the cold. So I don't know if I would willingly be like, yeah, that seems like a fun idea. Let's go to the mountains, the Himalayas. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like but, good. Okay, yeah. so sorry, I didn't cut, mean to cut you off. But would you still go if you just flew there instead of drove there? Or would you still be like, mm? Still not my idea of a fun time. Like I don't snow and cold so i don't i don't know i mean they have some of the highest roads in the world which would be interesting to see but only when it's like their most warmest day that's it that's probably the, like two months out of the year <laughs> two days more like it <laughs> half the time that it's open they're like shoveling it to try to get the pathway open enough to drive on so true yeah. what about you would you be adventurous enough to go I would like to go. It sounds like the way she was describing it sounds so beautiful, but I feel like I would have to be like a marathon, like person who's prepping for a marathon and like prep my body to yeah. go there. <laughs> I am sensitive to things, but I don't know if like that is what my body would be sensitive to. So I'm like, okay, I need to be <laughs> like a marathon runner, like prepping my body to be able to prepare for these extreme differences in environment. I know... That like one of the, like in our religion, they're like one of the godwaras or like a church, if for those who don't know what a godwara is, 
is up there in the mountains and like that's one place we are supposed to go at least before the age of 60 so i feel like it's time for us to get prepping yeah not like we're close to 60 yet but (laughs) we just sound like we're not but we actually are 55 okay (laughs) well would you be adventurous enough to go to a place like Leh or ladakh or have you been already do you have any tips yeah for us who are (laughs) wimpy and want to go but are scared okay call yourself wimpy i'm not wimpy (laughs) let us know if you would be adventurous enough to go or if you have been you can comment in the comment section below or send us a dm on instagram and that was Garthiga's stories if you or anyone you know has any crazy driving stories and would love to come on as a guest, you can fill out the interest form on our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. And be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode for a sneak peek of next week's episode. And come join us on Discord. We have a Discord group. I forgot to mention that. But come chat with us there and share your lay trip tricks. Wow, I almost fumbled. I did fumble. There are no footballs here. (laughs) Share your lay trip tips over there and just come chat driving with us. Thanks for driving with us. And now a sneak peek. So we get into New Mexico and we're in this remote area and we see this bus. It's like one of a kind. Oh my gosh, that's that's the bus from the gypsies that we crossed in Florida. We decided that we should say hello. But we said, let's, let's get, get him something. So I go up and I, I knock on the bus. Next thing I know, that window opens and one of the individuals in the in the party there in the clan, and this guy's this really, really long beard and ZZ top type beard, and he just looked really intimidating. And he peeks out the window and I'm standing there with donuts, like, hey, how you doing? Good morning. And he's pointing a revolver at me.